You are listening to the next best picture podcast. This war, we're not winning it. If you speak a word of what I'm about to show you, you will be executed for high treason. It's beautiful. It's the greatest encryption device in history, and the Germans use it for all communications. Everyone thinks Enigma is unbreakable. Let me try, and we'll know for sure. Mr. Turing, do you know how many died because of it? I don't. Three. While we've been having this conversation. Gentlemen, meet Mr. Turing. We work together, then. I'm afraid these men would only slow me down. Popular at school, were you? We're short on staff. We get more staff, then. You have six minutes to complete the task. Is it even possible? No, it takes me eight. Five minutes and 34 seconds. You said to do it in under six. What is it that we're really doing? We were going to break an unbreakable Nazi code and win the war. Oh. You know, to pull off this irascible genius routine, one actually has to be a genius. I'm designing a machine that will allow us to break every message, every day, instantly. You're going to need all the help you can get, and they are not going to help you if they do not like you. Have you decrypted a single German message? You will never understand the importance of what I am creating here. Our patience has expired. No! If you fire Helen, well, then you'll have to fire me. Me too. And me. You better bloody work. Helen, you do not have to do this alone. What are you doing? What's going on? The Navy thinks that one of us is a Soviet spy. You've got more secrets than the best of them. What if I don't fancy her in that way? Can't tell anyone, Owen. It's illegal. I'm just a mathematician. Sometimes it is the people who no one imagines anything of who do the things that no one can imagine. everybody you were just listening to the trailer for the imitation game and the story is as follows in 1939 newly created british intelligence agency mi6 recruits cambridge mathematicians alumnus alan turing to crack nazi codes including enigma which is previously thought to have been unbreakable turing's team including joan clark analyze enigma's messages while he builds machine to decipher them turing and his team finally succeed and become heroes but in 1952 the Quiet Genius encounters disgrace when authorities reveal that he is a homosexual. The film is starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Kira Knightley, Matthew Good, Rory Kinnear, Charles Dance, and Mark Strong. It is written by Graham Moore, directed by Morton Tildum. Joining me for this 2014 Patreon podcast review, part of our 2014 retrospective, I have Dan Bear. Sometimes it is the movies no one imagines anything of. <laughs> You do the things that no one can imagine. <laughs> I can't. Also, we have Nicole Ackman. Hey, everybody. Ryan C. Showers back on the podcast. Hey. And also joining us, we have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And to kind of round things off here, uh, joining us straight from Patreon itself, as a guest here, we have Roxanne Dennis. Hello. All right, everyone. So, the imitation game. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow. Well, okay. Is indeed, a movie that exists. It's 
so here's the deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan Bear has been hyping this up for me for weeks because every time we get to the end of one of these 2014 retrospectives and we get to the Oscars portion where we talk about the award season year and what the film was nominated for, what we hoped to have been nominated for, every time Imitation Game has been brought up, Dan Bear has had this reaction of complete and utter uh, so <laughs> I was very much looking forward to this rewatch. I was very much looking forward to this podcast. We are finally here. I have not seen the film since 2014. This was only my second time seeing this movie. I, like many others, probably remember this movie fondly, unlike some others. <laughs> Damn. Um, but what has a rewatch done to me? What has a rewatch done to everybody here? I am curious to find out. I actually want to first start off with our guest here, give them the platform to start first. Roxanne, what did you think of The Imitation Game? Well, okay. Um, okay, first of all, I just want to say to uh, our listeners, English is not my first language, so if there's like uh, words that are mistaken or something, just correct me, all right? All right. Um, what I thought... I watched this movie like back in 2014 when I w when I liked movies, but wasn't like a cinephile, if I would say. Mm -hmm. And I remember really liking it, uh, thinking it was very emotional and stuff. Cried at the end, feeling like, oh my god, that poor guy, blah blah blah. And then I rewatched it this year, and I'm not ready to say it's a bad movie. I'm curious to hear Dan, Dan, but um, I it felt underwhelming. On a lot of level, I felt I felt like it was um, uh, not enough, like developed on some things and too much on others, and way too conventional at the end of the day. Yeah, you know what this kind of reminds me of a little bit. It reminds me of something like Scent of a Woman, where it comes out, everybody thinks it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's a crowd pleaser, <laughs> gets these Oscar nominations, even some wins, and then years later we look back and we're like huh, what were we thinking, you know? Yeah. So let's continue. Let's hear uh, some more thoughts here on the imitation game. Maybe someone's going to surprise me and tell me that they like the damn thing. I don't know. Uh, why don't we hear from Nicole? Nicole, uh, you're a history expert here, uh, which basically <laughs> means you don't like the imitation <laughs> game. <laughs> but let's hear it anyway. Let's hear it anyway. <laughs> seen this before uh as i've oh wow established on these podcasts 2014 was a year in which i was hunkered down in college not getting out much uh and that included not getting out to the theater to see this movie so i was very well i was excited going into it because this cast is phenomenal like i'm a huge Kira knightley fan i love matthew good i love alan leach i i wouldn't say i love benedict cumberbatch where I, I respect his talent um but at the same time, I'm friends with Dan Bear. <laughs> and so I had heard much about this film. And I was like, all right, here we go. And like you said, I have a history degree. My background is in history. So I was like, okay, let, let's see what they do with this. And um, oh my God, it is a movie that is so frustrating because the performances are really strong honestly the production design is fantastic the fact that they filmed so much of it on location in the places that it actually happened is phenomenal that like brings me such joy and then yet you have this script 
in which they were like, what if we threw out all this actually interesting real stuff about Alan Turing and gave us all this stuff that we didn't need, that isn't true, that doesn't do him justice? And basically, at the end of it, I was like, oh, my God, you poor man, you deserved a much better life and a much better movie. Yeah, that kind of pretty much sums it up, I think, actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we can end there. (laughs) Just remember something, Nicole. Just remember something. The movie tells us explicitly within its first opening minutes, what happens from this moment forward is not my responsibility. It is yours. And clearly, the filmmakers did not listen to their own damn advice. No kidding. It's crazy. Anyway. Yeah. All right, Ryan, back on the podcast. It's been a minute. Let's hear your thoughts on the imitation game. Okay, well, so I'm somebody who back in 2014, I I found the movie to be very underwhelming. So back in 2014, I actually thought that the imitation game would follow in um, the Weinstein footsteps of the King's Speech. I thought they were going to just be able to replicate that success Um with this movie, it had the right leading man, the right supporting actress. It, you know, it fit that mold. Um, however, I and the the topic of the imitation game was more timely and more um, uh, more emotional. And uh, the, the the film did not live up to that for me. It was just basic and okay. And nothing has changed in, uh, in six seven years for me. It's it's the land of the average. Um, I think the acting is fine and gets through in the film gets through on the, the fineness of the acting. Um, and, but there's nothing really impressive about the movie. Um, I, I don't like the way that the film portrays the story or the main character or homosexuality, but, um, I don't feel as passionately as other people do. So I will reserve, that for them. What I do feel passionately about is this film winning the damn Oscar over Gone Girl for Best Adapted Screenplay. The, the unnominated Gone Girl. Yeah, it almost feels like a, almost like a bigger slap in the face a little bit there. Alrighty, let's hear now from Josh Parham. Josh, what do you think of The Imitation Game? Well, I think that this movie is for the most part just so aggressively okay um i i don't hate it i but it does have a lot of problems with it and i think chief among them are in the screenplay but i think that the performances are decent i do think that overall it's it kind of just chugs along as a very like typical biopic that you would probably that you probably would have seen in like the late 90s early 2000s and as that i guess it accomplishes its goal but yeah, overall, it is just rather bland and forgettable. And especially when you take in the larger context of Alan Turing's life, it does a great disservice for sure. So I, yeah, it's a movie that I don't hate, but I also do not find anything exceptional about either. Uh, before we get to Dan Bear, who's like the grand <laughs> finale of all of this. <laughs> Um, my thoughts on the imitation game are this. Uh, I think that this movie very wisely, very carefully casts the Harvey Weinstein magic over its audience when you watch it. I think you laid it out there perfectly there, Ryan. 
anybody that like fell for the spell of the king's speech um they were looking to do that again here as well you have a lot of similarities actually between those two movies and so as someone who liked the king's speech when it came out i very easily liked this when it came out um, I thought it was a, you know, interesting, you know, story to be told, like, you know, the invention of, uh, you know, the Turing machine, the computers, if you will. And I thought that this uh, man, you know, was eccentric. And, you know, I was a huge fan of Sherlock at the time, still still am. So seeing Benedict Cumberbatch bring uh, that talent uh, to a on screen role uh, in the cinemas was exciting to me, and I ate it up, and I enjoyed uh, aspects of that screenplay at the time. Watching it this time, I have a lot more notes than I did back in 2014, that's for sure. Um, And a lot of it is actually directed at the screenplay itself. And to a certain extent, I do agree with Ryan, is that it's one of those movies where it got eight Oscar nominations, and when I look at what it got nominated for, it kind of makes me not like the movie, as much whereas if it didn't get those oscar nominations and it didn't get that like level of validation if you will i think i would be perfectly okay with this movie being a average perfectly okay movie you know but because it did get that um level of recognition it just makes me kind of with disdain (laughs) you know just be like morton tildum for best director really you know like i know the movie flows nicely you know, from one scene to another, and it's like, okay, fine, but come on, it's just so uninspired. Um, all right, I'm going to save off on specifics here. Dan Bear, I'm going to kick back and relax. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the floor is yours. Okay. So back in 2014, I was very excited to see this movie. Um, I did. I knew a little bit about Alan Turing, um, mostly that he was a uh, the, basically the inventor of the modern computer and worked to break the Nazi code and was gay, but didn't know too many uh, details of his life and was really excited. I liked Benedict Cumberbatch from Sherlock, and I loved Keira Knightley from ever since Bend It Like Beckham. Everything really, <laughs> yeah. And um, look, I when watching it, I was like, "This is this is good. This is well well done." It's it's a little uneven. I don't know why we have to have a trifurcated story structure going on here, but okay, you know, the acting's good and the design is good and the cinematography is good and the score is good. And then we get to the end of the movie, and it throws up that, you know, wall of text that is pretty typical to end biopics with this, like, this is what happened to the people afterward. And it, you know, says how he died. And then it says between 1885 and 1967, approximately 49,000 homosexual men were convicted of gross indecency under British law. And I was sitting there in the theater and just was gobsmacked because it wasn't a movie about gross indecency and it barely touched upon the fact that 
this was a man who had sex with men and how much of a crime and like an ostracizing crime that was for anyone to admit to or even be accused of back in in that day and i just like i it it rubbed me so much the wrong way that they would throw that in at the end there and then of course that you know queen elizabeth finally pardoned him in 2013 like okay whatever bitch um (laughs) and then on the way home i was talking with my partner about it and he went. He had actually read the biography of Turing that this is based on, and he was like, "Do you know what actually happened to him at the end of his life? Do you know what actually happened to him as a result of that government mandated uh, medical, the, the chemical castration?" And it was. He told me, and I won't repeat it because, like, it is so awful and so horrific what his country did to him after all the incredible service that he had done them. And I thought back on the movie, and I, I, it, it did not, it didn't make sense to me. I, at the time when, after I wrote it, my biggest like during the movie my biggest problem with it was that i had no idea how his machine worked and they make a very big deal out of making sure it works and it taking a long time to work and there's even one scene when they have to get it working very fast and i sat there the whole time going well what are they doing what's happening what I don't understand. I don't understand. And it's not even clear to me that the people who made the movie understood how the machine worked, which is like kind of important when you're making a movie about a machine. But afterwards I was just like, well, but the, the, this is just so it does such a disservice to Alan Turing's life and what he went through and all that he accomplished. And I, and when then I read more about him and like, he wasn't, even the type of autism spectrum asshole that the film makes it out to be. And I became even more confused. Like why turn him into a completely different person than he was in real life? It, it, it didn't make any sense to me. And then the Oscars rolled around and Graham Moore won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, and he gives that speech. Which I want to dive into at the end, Is it, if, if, that's, if that's fair. Totally fair. I'm just going to say that that speech was what really crystallized for me what about this movie is so bad because it is so clearly a film about a gay man written by a straight person and i i have i have raged against it ever since because it it's so offensive yeah i got things to say about that speech too dan yeah it's very disingenuous it's so disingenuous and the thing is it it makes me more upset because this is 
put together really, really well. Like Nicole said, the production design is great. The cinematography is good. The editing, like when it's working as a thriller, it is really working. And like you're right there with it and it, you know, it pulls you along with the story and the performances like Benedict Cumberbatch is shockingly funny in this movie and Keira Knightley takes a, the most stock character imaginable and gives her personality through sheer force of will and talent yep. and Alexandra Desplat is doing that score which like that man had a great 2014 and the Alexander Desplat was to movies in 2014 what Claire Mathon was to movies in 2019. <laughs> uh, and that it's built on this rotten foundation of a screenplay. And that fucking line. <laughs> I don't know who writes a line like that? Who tortures and contorts the English language so to fit into this line that is repeated four goddamn times <laughs> throughout this movie? And like every time it's said, I cringe and cringe and like, I'm Kira, I'm so sorry that you have to say this line. And how do you make it work? <sighs> <sighs> to be clear, the line that he's referring to was the opening line he said uh, when he introduced himself. For those that are confused, take a breath, Dan. Like, take a breath. That's the movie's catch, catchphrase, and it is the most unwieldy catchphrase I have ever heard. And it sums up so much, I think, about this movie's screenplay is that so much of it just feels like it has an idea that it is really smart and sophisticated, but it really is just a bunch of words that lead up to nothing. And I found that and so consistent throughout this entire movie. And it goes about it, also... it in the most convoluted way possible. Do you know what's an analogy for, actually, now that I think about it, if I want to really, really touch into this uh, screenplay? Even dare say code breaking. Do you know why people like violence, Dan Bear? Because it feels really good, Matt. Humans find violence deeply satisfying, but remove the satisfaction and the act becomes hollow. Isn't that exactly what the imitation game is? Hollow. To be honest, it's one of those things where I'm not positive that the man who wrote it has ever heard humans speak to each other before. Yes! <laughs> no, he's only heard humans speak to each other in movies. This movie's written yep. like a movie. Not even that. <laughs> no, no. Lines like the one I just said, like you just said, those are yeah. movie lines. But they're writers' lines. Li they're lines. writers' lines. Like that is right. They're they're lines. And I and let me tell you, my analogy to uh, my comparison to Scent of a Woman earlier uh, was by design, <laughs> because it this movie to me definitely feels like it's not of its time. It feels like it's an '80s, early '90s type of movie that you would get. It feels like Helena Bottom Carter should have been playing the Kira Knightley role. Like, you know those movies that she yeah. did back in the day? That's what it feels like. And back then, maybe I could have forgiven the way that they treat Turing's character. But uh, 
it's it's pretty sad in 2014. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full review of the Imitation Game here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full review, you will have to head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Acast, CastBox, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate the feedback and the support. Thank you for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.